0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable.
1: We hope you find it helpful and encouraging.
0: If you would like to find out more information about us,
1: why not check out our website at riversideuk.org,
0: our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Uh, before, yeah, before we start this um, come back. Before we start the series, I just want to uh, mention yesterday we were at the wedding of Laura and Emily. Got a nice picture here. Look at that, are gorgeous? <clears throat> so we had the privilege of going along and doing their evening blessing service and uh, just a beautiful sense of the Lord there and you see it absolutely radiant, we had a beautiful day yesterday and they just want to send their thanks to you as their church family for all the support and encouragement and love you've shown them coming up to this special day. So we had a lovely, lovely day yesterday and uh, yeah, it was uh, beautiful just to be able to celebrate with them. This is our new series, uh, Moved. If you didn't catch last week, you had our Vision Sunday. Uh, If you weren't here for that, you missed that, please jump on YouTube and uh, watch that because there's lots of content in there. You'll need to be aware of looking back and celebrating, also looking forward to what we feel God's got for us in the next season. But today we're going to start this new series called Moved, God's heart of compassion. You could define compassion uh, in this way, a sensitivity to suffering in self and others with a commitment to try to alleviate and prevent it. A sensitivity to suffering in self and others, with a commitment to try to alleviate and prevent it. The Bible describes Father God as the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort in 2 Corinthians 1. And because we're made in the image of God, we carry his compassion within us. We carry in us a desire to alleviate suffering. Uh, When we see suffering we're often moved to do something about it. So we can see from this definition there's kind of three components to compassion. There is a sensitivity to suffering, an awareness of, of suffering, and it has this really important commitment to do something about it. Compassion without commitment isn't compassion. Because compassion moves us. It actually moves us to do something about the suffering that we see. What might surprise you in this definition is this little word, self. Most of the time when we talk about compassion in church, we talk about compassion going in an outward direction. Compassion towards other people, compassion to those around us, compassion to the world, compassion to the suffering church. Compassion tends to be directed outward. And that's a crucial ministry of the church and a crucial um, demonstration of God's love and activity in our lives. And we'll look more at that over the coming weeks. But as well as compassion being directed outwards, it also needs to be directed inwards towards ourselves. We need to learn how to practice self-compassion for our own spiritual and physical well-being. Now, I'm going to begin today by asking Alan to come and, um, come and chat with me because we had, a, we had a conversation about this earlier on in the week and I think Alan's got some really helpful stuff to say. So let's welcome Alan. <laughs> you brought your own fan club down there, I, I can see. I
1: haven't heard what I'm about <laughs> to yeah, say. Yeah, man, that's yours. Oh, thank
0: you. So, bike. can I ask you, first of all, why is self-compassion so important to you?
1: Um... Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people out there, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, for, for those that don't know me, I'm Jackie King's husband. Um, I ask um, Simon a lot of questions uh, about faith and Christianity, don't I, Simon? You do. And I'm sure this is just to get your own back. Really. Kind of, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> over ten years ago or so, um, I was working very hard, had my own business, few family problems, if I'm honest. Um, I was kind of self-medicating, drinking too much. I think for most of my adult life, I'd suffered with depression, but kind of didn't have time for that, really. Um, So ignored it, pushed it away. um, And I had a catastrophic breakdown, um, resulting in multiple hospital stays sometimes for long periods of time. It took me an awful long time, one, to get out of hospital, and two, to actually maintain some kind of stability in mood. Um, I was unlucky. Drugs didn't seem to work that well on me. um, So I had lots and lots of treatments. Um, So a couple of years ago, a therapist put me onto this self-compassion, which immediately I thought was just selfish. It's selfish. You don't think about yourself. Um, the more I've understood about it, the more I've come to believe it is not that at all. Um, and this has really, really helped me. That's why it's important.
0: So when we were chatting, I said to you, I'm gonna start this new series, it's called Moved. It's about compassion. And I'm gonna start with self-compassion because we can't show compassion to other people until we've shown compassion to ourselves. And you said, I wholeheartedly disagree, which kind of got my attention. Um, so uh, so um, we have these very honest conversations, don't we? And you're not afraid to share your opinions with me, which is fantastic. So can you explain why you wholeheartedly disagree with what I said?
1: Yeah, so I have this very unwelcome pet, um, and it's called, uh, I call it the polite one, the poison parrot. Um, this is the critical voice uh, that pops up in my head. Um, this parrot is not pretty. It says some horrible things to me. Um, and they can actually build up and be quite damaging to you. So I'm a perfectionist by nature. An utter impossibility. So I'm always disappointed with what I do. And this voice, this parrot pops up and um, that's not good enough. That's rubbish. You could Look at that. You could have done better. It's draining. It's not healthy. Um, This parrot, I'm sure it's a protected species, but I'd love to shoot it. um, This voice will say things. Amy was cooking last night. We were at hers for dinner. And um, I was supposed to be helping her. And uh, I was waving my arms around and I caught this (laughs) um, plate of ingredients that she'd been working on and spilt half of it on the floor. The first voice was the parrot. You idiot. Not good. Um, I would never treat or say that to anybody in that aggressive way. Um, I may say it in humor, but it wouldn't be with that intonation, with that aggression, let's say. And I think sometimes it's more difficult to be compassionate towards yourself than it is for others. and I think perhaps for Christians as well, the ethos is to help others to show compassion for others, perhaps yourself as well.
0: Uh-huh. So what have you done to help you grow in self-compassion?
1: Well, um, I can't shut this bloody parrot up, if <laughs> I'm just, um, So the first word will be that idiot voice. What I've learned to do is actually soften it. So immediately after he's had his say, I will say, "Oh, you Burke, you Wally," in that jokey way that I talked about. And strangely, that that just dilutes the aggression. That dilutes the power of that horrible parrot. It's not a pretty Polly, I'll tell you. Um, yeah, and it's also. Um, Making time for yourself. You know, I've got into sort of swimming in the sea when I can. Um, it's making that time and trying not to feel guilty when there's lots of other things you should be doing. I think hobbies are healthy. I think hobbies are good for people. And you shouldn't feel guilty, providing it's in balance. I think one of the things I'd add to the self-compassion, which is very important, is mindful. Be mindful. About that self compassion, and that's about balance as well. Um, mindful means, you know, be calmly aware. Train, mind the gap. Yeah. Are you terrified of that gap? Are you, called, ah, there's a gap! I can't. No, you're mindful of it, you step on the train. Um, so it's about being mindful of, about how you speak to yourself, how you treat yourself. Um,
0: so, how does self-compassion differ from self-indulgence or self-pity?
1: It's completely different, and the reason I say that is that self-compassion is about maintenance, self-maintenance, if you like. Um, it can make you calmer, more content, and actually more productive, which benefits not just you, but everybody around you. So, inversely, it's helping others as well. because. Okay you're just in a better position to help others.
0: As we start out on this topic, have you got one bit of advice for us today?
1: Um, I think compassion is a wonderful thing and it's one of mankind's strengths. Um, To care how you can assist and look out for other people. But don't forget yourself. Um, why? Why shouldn't you be Compassionate to yourself as well. Um, it's not uh, egotistical. It's it's not selfish. Um, it it's actually very healthy.
0: Okay. Thank you, Alan. So, <laughs> Alan has said many of us aren't compassionate to ourselves, we'll say things to ourselves, we'll treat ourselves in a way that we'd never treat anybody else. So let's begin with this question, why aren't we compassionate to ourselves? Why don't we show kindness to ourselves? Well, The first reason that has been beautifully illustrated by Alice Warren is the poisonous parrot, the internal critical voice, our internal critical voice. Many of us are more practiced at self-criticism than self-compassion. Uh, internal critical voice is constantly whispering unkind things to us. You're not good enough. You're a failure. You should have done better. You're going to be found out. You know, you're rubbish. It's constantly r- speaking these things into our lives. Pull yourself together. Sort yourself out. Stop failing. Get better. You've all familiar with a voice like that in your head. Why are we so self-critical? Well, it can be for a number of reasons. You may have grown up in a critical environment. You may have grown up with criticism. And that's kind of been internalised into you as you've grown. You might always think that if something goes wrong, it's your fault, regardless of who's actually at fault. You might think that being hard on yourself is somehow a better way to control your life. It might bring a degree of control or security. The harder you are on yourself, the harder you try, the happier you're going to be and also we live in a culture whereby it projects an illusion of perfection to us doesn't it we look around and we see perfection everywhere particularly on on social media platforms we see a perfect life projected to us full of perfect people living perfect lives and we are receiving this this imagery of perfection all the time and we know that our lives are far far from perfect far from perfect and if they can do it well why why can't we Why can't we live the life that they seem to be living? Why can't we attain the perfection they seem to be having? And we blame ourselves for not being better than we are. But we know in reality that life is far from perfect. Life is really, really messy. Yeah, Anyone noticed? Life is really messy, really messy. It doesn't fall in straight lines. It's not always simple. It's not always straightforward. It's messy. And we encounter that mess and that imperfection on a daily basis in ourselves and also in our lives. And when we do, our internal critic kicks in and says, you know, why haven't things worked out the way they should have done? Why haven't you tried harder? Why haven't you attained the goals that you set yourself? On and on and on. And we often default to blaming ourselves in a very harsh way. And when our internal critic tells us we're failing, we often default to fix-it mode, don't we? We've got to do something better. We've got to try something different. We've got to put in a new regime. We've got to try a different eating plan. We've got to try a new exercise plan. We've got to try a new morning and evening plan. We've got to try and replicate some superstar who's found the utopic way to live their life in perfection. A guy made a fortune by telling people to eat liver. Can you believe it? <laughs> the liver king. He became, a, he became uh, created a fortune on social media platforms, by saying the secret to health and my incredibly ripped body, not this one, his, um, (laughs) was eating liver. And millions of people thought that was the solution. That was the golden ticket to a perfect physique and a better life. And because we default to fix it, we don't stop to think about our own pain and our own suffering and the way we're feeling in the particular circumstance that we're in. We don't stop to comfort ourselves. We don't stop to sit in our pain and recognise it. We don't stop to receive the comfort of God in it. So the internal critical voice is a real barrier to self-compassion. The second one can be that we struggle to accept ourselves. We struggle to accept who we are. There are many reasons why you and I can't be the perfect person that we want to be. In our head, we may have a goal of where we'd like to be, what we'd like to do, how we'd like to act what we aspire to, but there are many reasons that we can't get to that goal that we set ourselves. And so we find it hard to accept where we are, we find it hard to accept what we are, and we find it hard to accept some of the things we find inside of ourselves, particularly in our heads. Most of us don't even like ourselves, if we're honest. An interesting thing to reflect on is when you talk to yourself in your head, which I'm sure you do, uh, what is the tone of your internal voice? What is the tone of your internal voice that you use to yourself? Is it a kind voice or is it an angry voice? Is it an encouraging voice or is it a a disappointed voice that you hear? Is it a supportive voice or is it a critical voice? Voice. what is the tone of your internal voice because how we speak to ourselves gives us an insight to how we feel about ourselves you and I could struggle to accept ourselves for all sorts of different reasons but the psychologist Carl Rogers says this he says the, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself as I am then I can change when I accept myself as I am then I can change the beginning of self-compassion is self-acceptance. Being prepared to start where you are. You can't start anywhere else. It's that famous joke, isn't there? The two people get lost, they, they see a farmer at a gate, and they, they're trying to exp- they say, we'd like to get to this place over this hill. He said, well, I wouldn't start from here. But we have to start from where we are. So the part of self-compassion is recognising this is where we find ourselves at this moment in time. And you and I may have done things that we're not proud of. We may have, done thing, we may have not done things we wanted to do. We may have missed our opportunity. We may have set ourselves goals that we haven't attained. We may have regrets in our lives. Our good intentions may have evaporated. Many, many reasons why you and I struggle to accept ourselves. But the good news is that Jesus fully sees you as you are, where you are today, and he fully accepts you. He sees you fully and he fully accepts you. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome and he said this. He said, you see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were still imperfect creatures, Christ died for us. Why we were still living in mess, Christ died for us. Why we were wrestling with our failures and our inconsistency, Christ died for us. Nothing to offer, utterly inadequate, powerless, Jesus steps in and comes and demonstrates the ultimate act of compassion for us. So now the resurrected Jesus and God the Father, they fully see you. They fully see me. They love us and they accept us just where we are today. Just where you are today. With all your inconsistencies and all your failures and all your unmet goals and all your criticisms, Jesus sees you and the Father fully accepts you. And they know, something you probably don't know, is that you're a work in progress. You are a work in progress the work of the Spirit in you is transforming you, by degrees, into the likeness of Christ. A process we call sanctification. And often we think sanctification is about, about doing things on the outside. You know, we, do, we pray more, we read our Bible more, and we, and we do this and we do that. And all those external metrics we see as sanctification. But actually, most of the work takes place on the inside. It's the internal transformation that God is interested in. And the seeds of the gospel that are planted in you which are being watered and bringing forth fruit and they're beginning to grow up and there's transformation taking place. And we can water those seeds by accepting that we aren't perfect but God is working within us, partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The internal critical voice, the poisonous parrot, is not God's voice to you. It is never God's voice to you. The internal critical voice is never God's voice to you. God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. So his voice is the kind voice, not the angry voice. His voice is the encouraging voice, not the disappointed voice. His voice is the supportive voice, not the critical voice. So one way we can begin to grow in self-compassion is trying to resist, as Alan has told us this morning, that internal critical voice. Not embrace it, but embrace the voice of the Father which speaks love and comfort to us. Another big barrier to self-compassion can be that we mistake self-compassion for weakness. Is self-compassion just a way to avoid change? Just a way for you to sit in your stuff, just to become complacent, just a desire not to actually grow? Just be self-indulgent. Do whatever you want to do because you're being kind to yourself. Self-compassion, though, isn't self-indulgence. Remember our definition. Compassion wants to alleviate suffering. And one of the ways it does this is to promote well-being in other people and within ourselves. Let's imagine you're being asked to look after a small child this afternoon. You're babysitting a small child and uh, you decide to be compassionate to the child. You're going to let the child eat whatever it wants. So you brought a load of pick-and-mix, that's the first thing I have for dinner, pick-and-mix for dinner, pick-and-mix for tea, and and pick-and-mix for supper. Because that's a compassionate thing to do. You also brought a load of fizzy drinks, because you know kids like fizzy drinks, so your way of showing compassion to them is let them drink fizzy drinks all day. All day. They don't even need to go to the toilet, they can just wee on the floor, because that's being compassionate. (laughs) You've left the front door open, because they can just go and play freely outside, wherever they want to go, they can roam freely and enjoy the freedom. No, no restraints. Is that compassion towards a small child. Hopefully none of you are looking after small children (laughs) this afternoon in that way. That is not promoting their well-being. That is not promoting their well-being. Hopefully you look after them in a way that promoted well-being for a small child. Self-indulgence is not self-compassion. We looked a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about how trying to put in place things within our lives where we face certain triggers, put in place certain processes that help as find God help us to do things that are in line with our well-being and help us live within our values compassion isn't complacency it's not self-pity it's not selfish so what is it here are a few thoughts we can think about this morning about self-compassion treating yourself in the same way you treat a close friend who's suffering that's a great opening definition how would you treat a close friend you know who is suffering how would you speak to them what would you say to them Think about that for a moment. Think about the care you'd showed somebody you love. That is the kind of compassion that you need to turn inward towards yourself. Think about treating yourself in the same way. Another aspect of self-compassion is treating yourself with kindness and care rather than harsh judgment. So when you do something wrong... What's the first thing you say to yourself? You idiot. I forgot my iPad this morning, so I walked halfway to church and then suddenly realised I forgot my iPad. And I went, you silly person, you're gonna turn around and go back, but my default, if I hadn't been focusing on this topic over the past couple of weeks, would have been to, you idiot, you know, you've wasted. But actually I just thought, actually that gives me a chance to have a few more steps in my day. So I kind of turned it into a positive thing, went back, got my iPad. But what do you do when you mess up? What do you do when you fail? What do you do when you don't hit your targets? What do you do when you think you've somehow fallen short? Normally, you speak harshly to yourself. Can I share what happened this morning with us? So, um, so Tom's on back desk today, and, and Tom, bless him, is fantastic. But one of his vulnerabilities, sometimes if he gets to turn the lights down for worship, so I said, Tom, just remember to turn the lights down for worship. He said, right on, write myself a note, and he put lights more on and stuck it on the, in front of the piece of paper for doing <laughs> I was like, actually, no, let's just, let's just. So I put a, a line through mine, put lights, nice, Tom, and put it back on there for him. Because normally, that's the voice that we treat ourselves with. The harsh judgment voice is what we apply to ourselves. And we would never, I didn't say, Tom, you are moron, you keep forgetting the lights. I would never speak to Tom that way, but he felt happy to speak to himself that way, because that's the way most of us speak to ourselves with our internal voice. It's remembering that imperfection is part of the common shared human experience. You are not uniquely failing. You are not uniquely failing. We all tend to think we're the one that's failing. We're the one that's not keeping up. We're the one that's missing the target. We're the one that's behind the curve. And again, social media exacerbates that fact. We think we're falling behind. But shared imperfection is part of the shared human experience everyone is living in imperfection everyone is living in mess everyone is living in inconsistency everyone is living in failure you are not the unique person now i'm going to tell you something that's going to shock you today it's going to shock you to the core okay you are an average person <laughs> now just sit that a moment you are average okay you're average, your average, you average, you're average. Just feel the averageness. You're average, your average, you're all average over here. You're average because you share a common experience that we are all suffering together in some way. It's part of the common human experience. You're not uniquely failing. Don't let your internal voice tell you you are. You can't and you won't get it right all the time it's just simply impossible you cannot live up to that standard and when you don't get it right be kind to yourself be kind to yourself don't allow that critical voice to rise up another key part of it is willingness to turn towards our pain and suffering to become aware of it to allow ourselves to feel it and to be comforted So how often do you and I try and leapfrog over something that hurts? We want to quickly move on, don't we? We don't want to sit with that feeling. We want to do something to distract ourselves or to to move away from that pain. But self-compassion, we have to turn towards it. We have to feel it. We have to be present in it so we can be comforted. And some of that comfort comes from Father God as we sit with him. Some of that comfort comes as we speak kindly to ourselves. Some of that comfort comes from people around us who love us and care, and speak the sort of words to us that we would like to speak to ourselves. So give yourself permission to turn towards the pain, to acknowledge it and recognise it. Don't just... We said last week about the trap, so week before, about the trap idea, the, the way of avoiding, avoidance patterns we often put into our lives to avoid facing things, escaping, avoiding, withdrawing. How can you put things in place that help you acknowledge the fact that something's happened that hurts but you're gonna sit and allow yourself to feel it and you're gonna allow yourself to be comforted in it and giving yourself permission to treat yourself kindly whether you perceive you're succeeding or you're failing it's okay to be average You won't hear that anywhere else. (laughs) It's okay to be average because most of us are average people. But the message you're getting outside is you can't possibly be average because average is failure. You've got to be somehow the top 1% or 2%. It's okay to live within your inconsistency. It's okay. Sometimes you'll succeed. Sometimes you'll fail. Sometimes you'll do well. Sometimes you'll do not so well. Give yourself permission to treat yourself kindly, whether you forget your iPad or not, whether you forget to turn the lights up and down or not. Whatever it is, you fail at this week because you will fail at something this week. I guarantee it. Treat yourself kindly when you do. It might be something as simple as forgetting something, forgetting to do something, walking in the room and forgetting why you went there. Happens to me all the time. Um, you know, it can be anything. It can be anything. Treat yourself kindly when it happens. How do we practice self-compassion? The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians and he said this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So how do we clothe ourselves with compassion? Well, Alan's already alluded to mindfulness. It's a really important part of trying to help ourselves Practice self-compassion. What mindfulness does, as Alan beautifully articulated, paying attention to our present moment, our present experience, without passing judgment on it. Because often when we put ourselves back in the moment, straight away we're making a judgment about what's happening, where we are, are we succeeding or failing, we we, straight away we jump to this judging the moment. And mindfulness says, pay attention to where you are and what's happening and what you're feeling, without judging straight away, trying to judge it or fix it or do something about it. And you can be mindful at any time of the day. You can be mindful right now. What are you feeling right now? What's going on in your head right now? What sort of things are you thinking? What sort of things are you feeling? We sang a song this morning, come on my soul, don't you get shy on me. That's a prayer of invocation to be present in the present. And so mindfulness is about bringing ourselves into the present, into the moment, and not judging and not trying to fix ourselves, because that's what we default to. So it helps us pay attention to what we're feeling, pay, pay attention to where we are, pay attention to what God's saying to us. And we're not trying to avoid or escape or distract. We're trying to be present in that moment with ourselves and with God. And we don't leap to criticism, we don't leap to correct ourselves, Instead, we treat ourselves with kindness, and we allow ourselves to be comforted. So one of the major things you need to receive in life is comfort. You worship a God who describes himself as the Father, God of all comfort. And God comes and comforts us, comforts us. And in mindfulness, we remind ourselves... That our intention is to become more like Jesus. That's my intention. That might be your intention this morning. But mindfulness does. It reminds us of what we're trying to do in this life. And if you're a Christian, your number one goal, hopefully, is to become more like Jesus. And mindfulness reminds you of that intention. That's the underlying intention in your life. It helps you to remember. It helps you to come back to that. We tend to focus on on fast emotions in our life. Fast emotions like anger and stress. And fast emotions are very good, and very quick at firing and coming to the fore. Yeah? Imagine you go shopping and you go in 10 shops. You decide to wander down on Wichita High Street. You go in 10 shops. The first nine shops, the staff are helpful and lovely and kind and supportive and you're having a great time shopping. The 10th shop, you go in, and the person behind the counter completely ignores you, they're on the phone, <laughs> and you stand there waiting, they're completely ignoring you, getting get more and more stressed, and eventually they say, yeah, can I help, and basically, but they're rude, dismissive, and they're not really helpful at all, and you go out the shop and get, I'm really angry with that person, I'm steaming, I am steaming, they've ruined my shopping experience down Winstable High Street. You go home, you tell your friends, I had a terrible, terrible time in Whistler High Street shopping today. I got this person, they were so angry, they were so so dismissive. And the the anger sticks. And actually, our minds are like Velcro for negatives and Teflon for positives. Even though 90% of your shopping experience was wonderful, nine shops, staff were helpful, friendly, kind, what's the one thing you take home with you? The... staff member the 10 percent who were unkind dismissive and rude that's the thing that's stuck in your mind the other nine people they've slipped clean off and this is how your mind and my mind tends to work how many times have you join the wrong queue at the supermarket <laughs> you remember don't you how many times have you join the right queue at the supermarket no idea how many times have you dropped bread and it's fallen jam side down you remember how many times you drop bread it's fallen jam side up you forget your mind is velcro for negatives velcro for negatives and teflon for positives and what mindfulness would do in the situation of our shopping example is yes you could spend a few moments being upset about the person who was rude and dismissive to you but then you would spend some time giving thanks for the nine people who were really helpful and actually you really kind. And you would focus back in on that aspect of that experience. You would be mindful about it. Trying to help us avoid the fact that the fast emotions like anger and stress, they stick to our psyche. They stick to our psyche. Mindfulness helps us deal with the negatives in life, helps us and then bring the positives to the fore. Someone cuts you up in a car this week. (laughs) What comes to the fore? Anger. Anger. And you rage. None of you might suffer any kind of road rage, I don't know, but you, um, you know, that that fast emotion comes to the fore. 99% of the drivers you've gone past haven't done anything wrong. But now suddenly your fast emotions come to the fore, you're angry, it's stuck, and your whole experience has been changed. There are a number of phone apps that can help us practice mindfulness and so help us into self-compassion. A couple that we've used in the past and talked about Live From Rest and Lecture 365. Both of these you can download on the App Store for iPhone or Android. And they help you come to rest, practice mindfulness, practice self-compassion with an aspect of, of scripture in there as well. Both really helpful if you're trying to put something into your life that's going to help you practice mindfulness and self compassion. But you don't have to use an app. You don't have to use an app, you can just do it yourself exactly where you are. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna practice a bit of mindfulness. Is that all right? Right here, right now, in the room. Yeah? hey you feeling? Alright? So if you're comfortable and you feel safe with me, why not you close your eyes? Maybe just adopt a relaxed posture. Okay? One very simple thing that we can do to help us with mindfulness is, is breathing. And it really helps us to bring ourselves kind of into the space where we are and uh, slows us down. So, a sim- very simple breathing exercise you can do is in for five, out for five. Okay? So we breathe in, one, two, Three, four, five, and we breathe out for five. One, two, three, four, five. We breathe in for five. One, two, and We breathe out for five. One, two, three, four, five. And just, just keep that pattern going, and that's helping you physiologically. Just to really slow, slow your breathing, slowing you. In for five and out for five. It's helping you be present with yourself. Just feel yourself in the chair. Feel yourself in the room. Just feel yourself being fully present. That's helping to dial down the fast emotions. You might have felt a bit stressed this morning. Something might have happened that's triggered stress in you. And it's just slowing you down. Maybe think about something that's happened this week that's been a bit stressful a bit hurtful just bring to mind something maybe it could be something very small bigger just something that happened to you and just turn towards it just allow yourself to feel if there's any pain in it that you felt What did it feel like when that thing happened? Give yourself permission to experience it. Just keep your breathing going. Slowing our breathing then helps us get in touch with our emotions, helps us to feel. Now ask God to bring his comfort to you over that thing that you're feeling, that you're, you're thinking about. Ask God to bring his comfort, allow him to come and to comfort you. You might wanna put your heart, a hand on your heart, just sometimes just present, by having our hand present on ourselves, it can soothe us. You might put your hand on your heart and just experience the comfort of God God doesn't like the fact that you experience suffering. He doesn't like the fact that you experience pain. He's coming to comfort you, coming to clothe you in compassion and love, coming to speak loving words to you. Maybe think about something you've done wrong this week, something where you felt like you failed, where you've fallen short where you messed up. I'd like to try and try to speak kind words to yourself about a thing. Speak the kind of words that you'd say to a friend if they shared that with you. If they shared but they messed up, what would you say to them? And try and let your internal voice speak those words over you. Let yourself off the hook of perfectionism, let yourself off the hook of having to lead the perfect life. Something you can also do, which might sound strange, but you can practice smiling to yourself. So you might want to put a smile on this morning, on your face, you can practice just, what's the sort of face that you would give to someone who came in that you loved and just missed and you're so happy to see them, you know? Can you smile at yourself this morning? Can you greet yourself in the way that you'd Greet someone who you loved and cared for and we're really happy to see. So, Lord, as we sit here this morning in your presence, God, help us to be more open, God, to your comfort. Help us to be more kind to ourselves. Help us to clothe ourselves in compassion. Thank you, Jesus. Now I just want to encourage you to just turn, chat to someone close to you. How has that made you feel? How do you feel about that? So have a little chat with someone next to you. Anybody else? I promise I won't make you come onto the mic. Alan? Oh, Alan wants to come back on the mic now. Can't get it off of the mic. Come on, Alan. Just
1: one thing with mindfulness. There's no right or wrong way to do it. The fact that you're doing it, you're halfway there. And it's, it does apparently get easier <laughs> with practice. But it is a hard thing to do. I find the breathing, it gets my breathing all messed up and out kilter. So if that's not right for you, leave it. The fact that you're trying to do mindfulness... Is, is part of the big thing of, yeah. of why it can help.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening.
1: If you'd like to contact us about this talk,
0: to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable,
1: then visit our website at riversideuk.org.
0: Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at whitriverside